please, yes. Lord, we lift our hands to your name right now, and we declare that you are our God. You're the God that goes before us. You surround us. Lord, you hem us in on every side. You are our protection. You are our, our, our Father. You are our Savior. You're our healer. You're our Redeemer. You're our restorer. You're the one that brings uh, all of us back together when it seems that we go to pieces. So, Lord, we trust you. We put our faith in you. And we welcome you to do your work this morning. So, Lord, as we get ready to open up your word, speak to us today. Let your word find its place. Lord, let our hearts be open to it. Let our minds be open to receive it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Go ahead. Give him praise this morning. That's all right. Amen. Good morning. Good to see you guys. Man, you guys look good. This might be the most we've ever had on a, on a first service, right? So, uh, y'all got up early. Well, y'all sound good, too. Yeah, you look good. You sound good. That's good things happen at 9 o'clock. Some of y'all didn't know that, right? Didn't realize the world started before 930, right? <laughs> Welcome. We're glad you're here. Now, we're glad that you're here. Uh, we've been in a series called Into the Wild. We're going to wrap this up today. And uh, so we're going to go to, um, we're just going to start in Genesis is where we're going to start this morning. Um, and this this series has been just talking about how God seems like a wild God and calls us into a wild life, this journey that he walks, uh, walks us through. And uh, it, is, it, is a, it is an experience sometimes you, you can't even put into words. And so today we're going to wrap this up. Um, there is a water theme going on right now, right? We sing about holy water. We've, we've got baptism. Uh, the message today is entitled Wet and Wild. So... Uh, so, yeah, that's where we're headed today. Yep. So anybody, do you remember Wet and Wild in Orlando? Anybody remember that? I remember my family, we took, you guys, my family over here, we took a trip. It was about the mid-'80s, I think, um, and you guys had a condo down in Orlando we went to, and uh, we stayed there for about a week and did all the fun stuff, but one of the highlights was going to this place called Wet and Wild. And Wet n' Wild was a water park. I think they shut it down in 2016. But they had this water slide there called uh, Durstuka. I think it was called Durstuka, which means dive bomber. That's what it translates to, dive bomber. And so it's a set, it was a seven-story uh, water slide. And basically you just um, kind of scooted your butt off the end until you went into a free fall, right? There's, there's no harness there's no raft. There's no nothing. It's just water, air, and praying to Jesus that you survive this drop. And they, they tell you they, they wanted you to put your arms like this. You kind of had to cross your legs. And uh, I, I never knew why they wanted you to do that until one day I didn't cross my legs. And Seven-story drop like that is not a... Not a good thing. It's uh, that's a wild ride. I'll just say that. Uh, yeah, but I remember going, and it, it really was. I mean, it's once you hit that slide and you come down and you hit that pool of water, it was like I was so scared to climb seven stories up. And as you're just kind of going around this uh, this tower, and you're seeing it's like, oh, this is getting taller. This is getting higher, you know. And 
And then you get to the top, and you're like, you have to kind of push yourself off. It's like, do I really want to do this? Why am I doing this? This is dumb. You know, do you ever ask me when you go to anybody water parks or, or rides, you know, you get on it's like, why did I do this? This was not a good, a good choice. And uh, But on the other side of that, I was so glad. I was so happy. I was like, I am a different person, all right? I have conquered this water slide. Let's go on to the next thing. And uh, you, you come out on the other side a different person. Today I want to talk a little bit about that, about what that looks like in uh, this idea of into the wild, because I believe that God does call us into the wild, and God calls us into the water. And uh, if you read Scripture, you'll see, um, if you, and if you notice, there are biblical patterns of both wilderness and water, wilderness and water. And what God does with both wilderness and water. From the very beginning of Scripture, we see this theme of water and wilderness. And it runs all the way through the Old Testament into the New Testament. And it's kind of where we've been. And so I want to talk a little bit about that today. So let's go to the book of Genesis with this water theme. If we look at Genesis chapter 1, uh, Gen- I'm just going to read it off the screen. Genesis chapter 1, uh, beginning in verse 1. And it says, In the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So right here, we're introduced uh, in the first two verses of the Bible, we're introduced to uh, this idea of water, this water world in a sense. But this um, little phrase here, without form and void, it is a Hebrew phrase it's called tohu vavohu. That's a fun thing to say. You can say it with me if you want to. Tohu vavohu. One more time. Tohu vavohu. We're learning Hebrew together. Guys, look at that. Tohu vavohu. This is without form and void. And a lot of scholars will translate this and say a better way to translate it is uh, wild and waste. Right? So a lot of times when we think of there being nothing, actually their idea was that it was wilderness, that there was, there was just no life there, right? So it was wild and waste. And God steps into this wild and wasted place, and what he does is he begins to speak to it. He begins to move on it. He begins to transform it. He begins to call forth life out of that which is wild and wasted, right? And so we see that God is moving over what's wild, and he's moving over the waters here in the book of Genesis. We go to a few books later, just go to actually the next book over to Exodus, and we come upon a guy by the name of Moses. And, and Moses is, uh, if you know the story of Moses, it's, it's a crazy story. Uh, as a baby, Moses is, uh, he's, he's born to this family of Hebrew slaves. And uh, Pharaoh gives this order to kill all these babies, right? And so to save Moses' life, they put him in this little basket, and they put him on the river and launch him out to save his life so that hopefully he can survive through this order of Pharaoh. And, and actually, uh, this is a picture almost of an ark, right? It's, it's a word that gets used. There's only a couple places in Scripture where it gets used. It gets used when Noah aboards the ark and right here with, uh, with Moses when he has put him in this little basket. It's called an ark. And so he has to go through the water in that sense, just as Noah had to go through the water and come out on the other side. Moses has to go through the water and come out on the other side. 
But see, it's not just about individuals. See, the story of Moses begins to incorporate an entire group of people, these Hebrew slaves that uh, God loves, that he has called by his name. He calls them to be his very own, his own possession, right? And he sees them. He hears, he hears their cry while they're in Egypt. And he goes down to do something about it. And so if we look at Exodus chapter 14, and I'm going to read this, Exodus chapter 14, Exodus 14, verse 26. Exodus 14, verse 26. And we pick up the story here. And God has brought his people out of Egypt. Um, All these plagues have happened to get Pharaoh's attention, to really break Pharaoh's will so that he relents and says, I'll let your people go. And so they're on the move. They're they're leaving Egypt. But Pharaoh hardens his heart again. He says, I'm not going to let them go. And so he goes running after him. He's going to chase after him with his chariots, his army, his soldiers, all this military might that Egypt has at this time. And, and Israel, these Hebrew people, they have nothing, right? They, they have clothes and cattle. They have uh, their children, and they're on this, this way out of Egypt. And Pharaoh changes his mind. He says, I'm not going to let them go. And so he's following close behind them. And they come up against the Red Sea. And God gives Moses instructions. And these are the instructions that God gives Moses. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea that that water may come back upon the Egyptians upon their chariots. So, so Moses has, has stepped out and he has stretched out his hands and the water is piled up, okay? And they walk through on dry ground, right? And so he's, they're on the other side now. God is bringing them through this wall of water. And this is where we pick up the story that the wall of water may come back upon the Egyptians and their chariots and upon the horsemen. And so Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the sea returned to its normal course when the morning appeared, and as the Egyptians fled into it, the Lord threw the Egyptians into the midst of the sea, and the waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen. All of the host of Pharaoh had followed them into the sea. Not one of them remained. But the people of Israel walked on dry ground through the sea, and the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. Right? And so what, what a great victory that God brings them through, that God says, I am the God who delivered you. I am the, and he does this. He, he reminds them throughout Scripture, I'm the God that's bringing you through this. I am the God who has delivered you. I'm the God who brought you out of Egypt. And so he brings them through this, brings them out of Egypt, brings them through this sea. And the very next thing that they encounter, it's crazy, is God brings them all the way through, and they think, hey, we're out, we're free What's the very next chapter? Chapter 15, we pick up in verse 22. Chapter 15, verse 22. Then Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea, and they went into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days into the wilderness and found no water. Now, you have to understand that this place, this wilderness of Shur, was actually probably the most unsure place that they could go, right? It's, it's not a place where there was certainty. Actually, there was a lot of uncertainty walking into the wilderness because there's no water there. We've had all this water that was uh, an obstacle for us. God brings us through. Now God brings us across that obstacle, and now we have a place where there's no water. And so it's like you can't win. It's either too much water or too little water. Anybody, you've lived there. 
yeah. Uh, and, and so this is where they're at. And they come to this place, this wilderness of Shur. And Shur is, uh, is a Hebrew word, and it means wall. So they hit the wall. Anybody ever hit the wall? You, you thought that everything was wonderful and everything that was great, and everything's going to be good, right? I've made it through, and then you hit the wall. That's exactly what happened to them. They hit the wall. This wilderness of Shur, it means wall or walled uh, because there were fortresses around there. There were uh, places where there were high walls or this plateau, plateau and, and they kind of go through these, these ravines, right? And so uh, this place, this, this wilderness is a place of limited movement. There's not a lot of flexibility here. And God leads them through this. They say, why would God do that? That sounds, that sounds like a bad idea, God. That sounds like a bad thing to do. You bring us through the water, and now you lead us into the wilderness. Why are you doing this? I think what we can say is the wilderness is a place where God would be able to care for his people. You say, well, God, you could have cared for us in a, in a lot you know, better climate. You could have cared for us, you know, over there on the beach. Could you not have taken us to the beach? We'd have loved to have been people of the beach, right? Anybody want to be beach people, right? You know, I don't want to be wilderness people. I want to be beach people. And, but that's not who they were. God leads them through the Red Sea. He leads them into the wilderness. And this is the place where God chooses to care for his people. See, they're transformed as they come through this, this water. They're transformed from a group of slaves to a nation. They, they stop being one thing, and they start being something else. God initiates life for them, and that's exactly what we see in Genesis, where God steps into this wild and waste, and he begins to create a place where life can flourish. And that's what he's doing here with, with Israel. As he brings them through the water and he brings them into the wilderness, his intention is to create a place in them where life can flourish. But what happens is they have all these, these challenges. They have all these things that come against them. They still have enemies. They still have obstacles. And you know what? Probably the biggest obstacle that they faced, you know who it was? Themselves. And this is where we come on the story. It's like, God, why did you lead us into the wilderness? See, the story of the wilderness is God's faithfulness and our failure. That's the story of the wilderness. It's God's faithfulness where God is always there, always providing, always guiding, always leading, always forgiving. And it's our failure, always messing up over and over and over and over again. And just when you thought you've come through, there it happens again. I mess up again. And this is the story of the water in the wilderness. This is the story of the wilderness where God brings his people there and begins to care for them. But the true story of the wilderness is not just God's faithfulness and our failure. See, it's where the children of pain and promise meet the God of provision. That's what happens. This children, this, these people of Israel, they're a people of promise. God says, I'm going to give you something. But they are also a people of great pain. They've suffered pain. They inflict pain on themselves. And it's a place where God says, I want you to learn to trust me. That's really what the wilderness is. It's in the wilderness that we have to learn how to trust and we have to learn how to be obedient. That's what that is. And you've ever wondered, God, why am I here? Because I want you to learn to trust me and I want you to learn to be obedient. 
I want you to learn to trust me and walk with me, and I want you to hear my voice. I want you to listen to my voice and let me guide you through this, because if you'll do that, you'll come out on the other side transformed. You'll come out on the other side a different person. You'll come out on the other side of this wilderness a different group of people. So I remember uh, about three or four years ago, uh, my family took a trip uh, to uh, Okoe, Tennessee. We went rafting. And uh, I think I've got a few pictures here. The first picture uh, that we have, the very first one. There we go. This is before the rafting trip, right? Uh, this is uh, Cannon, me, our guide, Alex, Raina, and Kobe. And um, we, were, we were getting ready to walk down. If you, if you look, it looks like the water just drops off. It's because it does. <laughs> it's, just, it's like nothing there. If, if you were to go over that edge, you were going over. Uh, you don't want to go over that. And so there's, there's, there's actually a, a little road that goes down beside this dam. And we had to carry our raft. And so Alex, our guide, has given us instructions. Blake smiling because he was on this trip, too. They were in another boat. And, uh, and, and, and we, we were so excited, right? I was a little bit, little bit nervous because I had been rafting before. I had been on this trip uh, three or four times. Me and Raina had been before. We had taken some of our youth groups. This was the first time I'd taken my boys. Um, they had, they're old enough to take this trip now. And I was nervous because I'm thinking, why am I doing this? Why did I think this was a good idea to put the most precious things in my life in a rubber boat and send them down the rapids? What was I thinking? Right? I, I really, I was kind of contemplating, I'm like, I don't, I don't know that this is a good idea. I'm not sure that I can back out now. And I, I'm really going to seem like a wuss if I say, hey, let's not do this. Right? And so I didn't want to be that guy. And so we're smiling, we'll take a picture, but there's a little bit of uh, trepidation in me. So we get going down the, the river, and uh, they ask if who wants to ride the bull. Anybody knows what it means to ride the bull? All right. Riding, riding the bull means that you're going to climb up to the front of the raft. You're going to throw your legs over the front of that raft, and there's this little, uh, basically, rope, and you're going to hang on to that rope, right? And you're going to ride the rapids, right? So there's another picture that we have. Cannon, uh, we let Cannon do this. So you can see the child that we really love. We love Kobe. We love Kobe. Cannon, you're good. Just go ahead, buddy. Go ahead. Uh, Kobe's a favorite child. No, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, yeah, Canna's like, I want to ride the bull. I want to ride. All right, all right, man, you can ride the bull. And so he gets up there, and it's like, this is this is not bad. It's like he's he's kind of we're kind of hitting some of these rapids, and he's having a good time. And and it was about at that point where things went a little crazy because the next picture is this. <sighs> That's to that point where like this is not fun anymore. Can we get back on the bus ready to go home? And, uh, I, and I remember just going through all this. I, like I said, I had been through it before, but they had never been through it. They had never been on this trip. And I wanted them to have this experience. I wanted them to have this experience of what it was like to go through the waters and how they would be changed and how they would be different coming out on the other side. And, and I think they were. I think they are. I think they are different because it was something that they got to conquer. It was something that really uh, made a change in them, I believe. For me, when I look at it, I, I see transformation happening. That's kind of what the waters are. 
you change. You go in one way and you come out another. You go in anticipating it's going to be like this, but maybe on the other side, you don't anticipate the life that God wants to give you. And that's really what it is. Every time that we see this water world, every time that we see this chaos and this, uh, this chaotic water in Scripture, God brings people through. God brings his people through, and he has a plan of transforming them. He has a plan of them being different people on the other side. And see, during this trip, you know one thing that we had to do? We had to listen to our guide. We had to listen, and our guide said, listen, it's my job to get you through. It's my job to get you back on the bus, right? And so whatever happens, I'm here. Uh, if you fall out, it's going to be okay. I'm going to throw you a line. I'm going to throw you a rope, and there's going to be people on the sides. They're looking for you, right? And, uh, and it's going to be okay. Just listen for my voice and do what we say. And that's exactly what we did. We listened to our guide, and we came through the waters. And this is the story that God has taken the children of Israel through. He's saying, listen, we're walking through the water, and we're walking through the wilderness, and I'm guiding you, and I need you to listen for me. Because if you do that, if you'll learn to trust me, and you'll be obedient, you'll come out on the other side different people. And that is the promise to every one of us. That if we listen for our, our guide, if we listen for his voice, and allow him to lead us, as we give him our life, his plan is to transform us. And to take something, just like in Genesis, that was wild and wasted, and prepare it to be a place where life can flourish. That's what he wants. He wants life for you. He wants real life for you, a flourishing, overflowing, abundant life is what God intends for you. But it's going to take us trusting him. It's going to take us being obedient to his voice. Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. I'll just read it off the screen. And we find Jesus, as we fast forward all the way through, we come to Mark chapter 1, the, this, this kind of this initiating of the story of Jesus. Right, and Mark jumps right into it. We don't have a have a, um, uh, a nativity story in the book of Mark. He jumps right into it, and it says, "And in those days, Jesus came from Nazareth to Galilee, and was baptized by John in the Jordan." So you have to understand that Joshua took the children of Israel after Moses took them through the Red Sea. Joshua had to take them through the Jordan River, and God does that miracle again, where He piles up the water where he causes them to walk through this, this Jordan River. It was almost taking them through the water. And what is Jesus doing? Jesus is showing us a picture of what's happened in the past. And when he came out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open. I love that. I don't think I've ever realized that before. Uh, and and we're, we're singing a song today, The Water is Wild. And the, the heavens are being ripped open. That is really the picture right there. It's not like this parting, oh, it's actually like something that is just crazy. The heavens being ripped open. And when he came out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And it goes on, it says, and a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son and with you I am well pleased. And what happened? He comes through the water, he's baptized, and the Spirit immediately drove him into the wilderness. Okay, thanks, God. <laughs> this is my beloved Son, and who I'm well pleased, drive him into the wilderness. What happens in the wilderness? He's tempted by Satan. I really, really do love you guys, right? It's just like me putting my son on the, ride the bull, son, just go, go up there. Sometimes it's like, I don't, I don't understand this picture. 
What Jesus is doing is this. Jesus is giving us pictures of the past, but he's giving us a pattern for the future. He's given us a picture of the past, but it's a pattern of the future. See, baptism is a picture of transformation. God wants to transform you. He doesn't just want you to make some kind of religious decision. That's not what this is about. This is not not about you going into the waters and the waters save you. That's not what this is. This is a picture of what God's already doing. This is a picture of the invitation that God's already extended to every one of us. And if you're a believer, it's a picture of what God has already started in your heart. And so those of you who are being baptized today, it's God who is saving you. This is a picture of what's happening. This is a picture of what's going on on the inside. Jesus shows us, he says, this is a picture of the past, but it's a pattern for the future. Baptism is a picture of transformation. I love what uh, Max Licato says. Anybody know Max Licato? Max Licato says, he says, baptism separates the tire kickers from the car buyers. Right? I like that. It it separates the tire kickers. Somebody says, I'm just looking. I'm just shopping, right? No, we want to find people who are car buyers. We want to find people who are saying yes to Jesus. And not just yes to Jesus and making that decision. I not only want to trust you, I want to be obedient. And obedience is being baptized. Obedience says, hey, I invite you to come through the waters because the water is a picture of where I want to lead you. It's a picture of you trusting me, and it's a picture of me making you a place where life can flourish. That is what we've got going on here. So God is creating a place where life can flourish. I'm going to ask somebody to come play. We're getting ready to baptize. And so I'm going to ask at this point my people who are signed up for baptism, you can go ahead and uh, go get dressed. Uh, Go get ready for baptism and uh, get changed. If, listen, if you're here this morning, and uh, you may fall into three categories. You may be uh, part of three groups of people. You're maybe part of the group of people that says, um, hey, I am meeting Jesus for the first time today, and you want to be baptized. We've got you covered, all right? We've got a towel for you, and you want to be baptized. That's okay. You might be part of the group that says, uh, I've met Jesus, but I've not been baptized yet. You've got a relationship with Jesus, and you haven't been baptized? You need to be baptized. I want to encourage you to be baptized this morning. The water's good. The water is warm. I promise it is warm, right? Uh, and and it, is, it is ready for you. Or you might be part of that group that says, you've been baptized, but it was before you actually met Jesus, right? That was some of us. Some of us, we, we got baptized, and maybe we don't remember it. Maybe, maybe that wasn't even a choice that we made. And, and you say, listen, I want that to be a choice that I make. I want that to be something that I choose. Today, we've got you covered. We've got a towel and a shirt for you. And so if you want to be baptized, you say, I didn't didn't come prepared for that. That's all right. We are. You may not be, but we are. And we would love to celebrate transformation with you today. Amen. Amen. Can you stand with me? They're going to lead you in this song. They're going to sing a little bit. Then we're going to come back out. We're going to celebrate baptism. Let me tell you how baptism goes around here. This is not a chance for you to be all spiritual and solid.